From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter and make believe it came from you. Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of Naps Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. Naps Chat will not host any guests this week. Instead, I'd like to provide an overview of our postal environment in light of a national poll, a recent national poll, that touched upon the United States Postal Service. In addition, I would like to talk about multiple federal court rulings, all of which were decided against the operational decisions made by postal leadership. And finally, I'd like to talk about how absentee balloting was addressed at the most recent presidential debate, which occurred this past Tuesday evening. First, this week, the national polling firm Ipsos, in conjunction with the Washington Post and the University of Maryland Center for Democracy and Civic Engagement, released a national poll which surveyed over 1,900 American citizens. It was conducted during the last week of August in 2020. The survey was looking at absentee balloting, voting by mail, voting preferences, as well as the United States Postal Service. On the survey, approximately one-third of those who were surveyed indicated that they intended to cast their ballots by mail in the 2020 general election. Also, there was concern expressed within the poll data about the president's crusade against vote-by-mail. The poll found that 57% of Americans believe that the clear intent of the campaign against absentee balloting was made to hinder voters from voting against President Trump. 41% of those surveyed believe that the effort against vote-by-mail was to prevent voter fraud. At the same time, however, 73% of Americans believed that every registered voter should be able to vote by mail. In the poll, interestingly, slightly over 60% of those surveyed stated they would vote early, whether it would be by, ma- it would be by mail or it would be in person. In addition to exploring the issue of absentee balloting, the poll queried Americans about the United States Postal Service, and the findings were rather reassuring to the Postal Service and to its employees. It found that 72% of Americans rated the agency favorably. Of that 72%, 22% found the Postal Service was performing excellently. Only 6% rated the Postal Service poorly. One finding in the poll which will not make the Postal Service terribly happy, was that the poll found that more than 50% of Americans noted a precipitous deterioration of on-time delivery as compared to last year. Specifically, that it took mail longer to arrive at their mailbox than it did a year ago. That is not a good data point for the United States Postal Service. The poll then went on to ask Americans about the implementation of postal changes, operational changes, that were made this past June, and whether or not they favored those changes and thought they were justified. 
54% of those surveyed felt that the cost reduction proposals by the United States Postal Service, as initiated this past June, were not justified, and only 42% felt that the changes were justified, particularly with regard to the United States Postal Service's treatment of ballots. 83% of Americans believe that the Postal Service should prioritize the ballots. In other words, treat them as first-class mail. That's not something that was messaged during the month of July by postal officials. Since then, they've changed gear and changed the tune on that. They are going to treat all election ballots as first-class. And most important, one of the most important findings in this poll was that two-thirds of those surveyed believe that the Postal Service should be run as a public service, not as a private business, but as a public service, even if that service cost the government money. So it was a mixed bag for the Postal Service leadership. That is, the Postal Service is still valued, it's appreciated. However, the changes that were made by the Postal Service generally were not approved by the American public, and that the Americans value the Postal Service's treatment of mail-in ballots. So let's shift gears a bit and talk about recent federal court rulings. And these rulings were highly critical of the postal leadership and the decisions that the postal leadership made that were initiated in mid-June. The first out of the box among these federal court decisions was one from the Eastern District in the state of Washington. It was decided two weeks ago. The case was filed by the states of Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Mexico, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, Virginia, and Wisconsin. All of these states filed suit against the Postal Service over its implementation of the operational changes and removal of mail processing machinery that began in June 2020. The other rulings, or the subsequent rulings, that were made over the past 10 days by federal courts in New York, in Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania basically came to the same conclusion as the Washington federal court, and that was that the Postal Service should reverse its decisions and reinstall the machinery that were removed from the postal facilities. These rulings in New York, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania were stark in their rulings. The New York case was filed on behalf of a congressional candidate from the state of New York, as well as individual voters. The case that was filed in Washington, D.C. was filed by the states of New York, Hawaii, New Jersey, as well as New York City and San Francisco. And finally, the Pennsylvania case was filed by the states of Pennsylvania, California, Delaware, Maryland, Massachusetts, and North Carolina. In addition, Washington, D.C. also joined in the lawsuit. I should mention at the outset that most of the operational changes made by the Postal Service in June that was the subject of these court cases have been suspended by the Postmaster General. However, a number of issues were still in contention as the cases were being filed. Moreover, the states want to ensure that from a legal perspective, the Postal Service cannot unilaterally or in collaboration with outside forces re-implement any type of policies that could impair vote-by-mail 
for the upcoming presidential and congressional elections. In addition, the Postal Service has created an election task force to help communicate with state election authorities the rules and the way in which to effectively implement vote-by-mail and make sure there are no hiccups on the way. NAP's President Brian Wagner serves on that panel. Common to all four federal court rulings was an expression of the tremendous importance and the respons- and responsibility the Postal Service has to help transport absentee ballots between American voters and state election authorities, that the Postal Service is an essential governmental messenger that provides the opportunity and the infrastructure to move mail ballots from the voter to the election authorities. Also common to all the federal court rulings was the absolute rejection of the Postal Service's claim that the changes that were implemented were not really policy changes and that the changes, whatever they might have been, reflected local management discretion rather than directives from postal headquarters. That is, postal leadership was essentially telling the courts that it was not responsible for the implementation of the changes that resulted in significant delays of the United States mail system. In all four instances, courts rejected the Postal Service's assertion that it was not responsible for the mail delays. And in fact, the evidence provided to the courts, the Postmaster General and his executive leadership conceded the fact that the decisions that they made and the implementation of the policies that they made may have inadvertently or indirectly caused the delay in the mail. Now, let's talk about the specific federal court decisions. And I want to first take a look at the Pennsylvania court decision, which involved a number of states. And it was particularly critical of the Postal Service's attempt to shift the blame to local postal management. The judge, as part of his ruling, included in his written decision reference to specific headquarters memoranda, documents, and presentations. And in these presentations and documents and memorandum, the responsibility for the implementation of these directives were laid right at the doorstep of national postal leadership, of this Postal Service's executive leadership. Two of the courts brought up the possibility of partisanship in the implementation of the operational changes. That is rather disappointing, if not alarming. And that these operate these operational changes, which might have had its roots in partisanship, would have had a discriminatory impact upon particular voters in the United States. The Washington court, that is the state, the court ruling in the state of Washington, went so far as to reference the president's words and tweets, as well as recent lawsuits filed by his re-election campaign against absentee voting as evidence of partisanship in the decision to implement certain operational changes at the Postal Service that could have hindered the transport of absentee ballots. With regard to the removing and dismantling of high-speed mail equipment that processed absentee ballots, the judge observed that 72% of the decommissioned mail processing machines were located in counties in which Hillary Clinton won 
in the 2016 presidential election. Also, the Washington court ruled that the changes had serious consequences to essential government functions, such as mail-in voting, processing of licenses, social security checks, and so forth. In addition, it found that the operational changes interfered with providing health products and services through the mail, such as pharmaceutical supplies and other types of health care material. And this is, was it noted that particularly in the time of a pandemic, that the transport of medical and health equipment and information is absolutely essential. Let's turn to the New York federal court decision for a moment. And the New York federal court raised constitutional concerns about the postal policies that were implemented, suggesting that the operational changes may have violated the First Amendment and the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Voting is a constitutionally recognized form of speech. That conclusion is reached in numerous federal court decisions, and in fact noted in Supreme Court decisions. So if you hinder the right to vote and negatively impact the right to vote by making it more difficult to vote, you could be hindering the American public's First Amendment rights. And that is particularly noteworthy in a pandemic where it is difficult to vote in person, or it could be detrimental to one's health to vote in person. The court also noted in New York that the operational changes may also be discriminatory and discriminate against particular classes of Americans. If so, the Fifth Amendment that provides equal protection under federal law may also be implicated as a constitutional issue when the operational changes were implemented by the United States Postal Service. As a result of these constitutional challenges, the New York Federal Court ordered that the Postal Service treat all election mail as first-class mail, that overtime to process absentee ballots cannot be denied, and that the United States Postal Service must submit a plan to the New York Federal District Court, a plan to restore on-time delivery to 93.88%, despite the fact that the Postal Service has incrementally improved its on-time delivery from its low in the beginning of August, it has yet to reach the 90% mark of on-time delivery. And finally, the federal court ruled that the Postal Service must provide the court with a weekly on-time delivery report, as well as other operational reports, in order to ensure that the Postal Service is in compliance with the orders provided by the New York District Court. Now let's turn to the Pennsylvania court. And the Pennsylvania court picked up on the New York court's directives and also demanded the same reports that were being required by the New York federal district court. However, in my view, one of the most notable conclusions reached by both the Washington, D.C. federal court as well as the Pennsylvania federal court is the role that the Postal Regulatory Commission should have played when the Postal Service was seeking to implement these operational changes that had such an impact on delivery times and on how the services of the American public were being provided by the United States Postal Service. Under current law, the Postal Service is required to seek an advisory opinion whenever it seeks 
to make changes to its operations that are of a national consequence. The Postal Service failed to seek such an advisory opinion for two reasons, and reasons that were dismissed and rejected by both courts. One, that the decision, there was no policy change, that it was simply implementing a policy that had pre-existed June 15th. And secondly, whatever changes did occur were not nationwide. Both federal courts, the Pennsylvania court and the Washington, D.C. court, rejected those claims by the United States Postal Service. And what the federal court ruled was that the Postal Service should have sought an advisory opinion by the Postal Regulatory Commission. For those of you that know, the Postal Regulatory Commission is made up of five commissioners, currently three are Republican, two are Democrats. Four of the five commissioners are former Capitol Hill staff members who actually dealt with postal issues while they worked for their members of Congress, whether it be in the United States Senate or the House of Representatives. And fundamentally, the Postal Regulatory Commission is charged with ensuring that the Postal Service is in compliance with the law and is able to provide its universal service obligation. As I said, the court rejected the Postal Service's claim that the post-June 15th directives did not constitute policy changes and were not national. The Postal Service seemed to be in a rush to implement these changes, and that rush to implementation ran afoul of the law. Interestingly, with regard to the Pennsylvania and to the Washington, D.C. decision, it was not predicated on necessarily on election mail. It was predicated on the concept of a process of whether or not the Postal Service is required to seek the Postal Regulatory Commission's advisory opinion when it initiates a change in operations of the magnitude that it sought in June. And what this means in the future is that the Postal Service arguably will have to go to the Postal Regulatory Commission, and each and every time that it makes such a proposal to change operations, it would have to seek an advisory opinion, and folks will make a claim that if, if it tries to initiate such operations without seeking the opinion, they may run to federal court based upon the decisions of the Pennsylvania and the Washington, D.C. federal court. The last issue I'd like to talk about is the continued attack on the Postal Service and the treatment of absentee ballots. And the most recent attack on the Postal Service was made during the presidential debate that occurred on Tuesday evening, when the president incorrectly alleged that a USPS employee fraudulently altered a West Virginia ballot. There were a couple of falsehoods in that accusation. Most importantly, the individual who was caught, and he was caught by the Postal Inspection Service, and he was arrested, and he pled guilty to one count of fraud— he was not a postal employee. He was a contract employee. For those of out there who might be promoting postal privatization, guess what happens when you do not have postal employees processing the mail who are loyal to the Postal Service and take an oath to protect the sanctity of the mail? As I said, the individual who pled guilty was not a postal employee. Secondly, the document that was altered was not an election ballot. It was an application for a primary ballot where the individual who pled guilty did not alter the vote on the ballot. What he, what he did as a supposed joke was to change uh, the party primary in which the individual voter would have participated in. 
from a Democrat from participating in the Democratic primary to participating in the Republican primary. The individual, upon getting the ballot and seeing what the application said, alerted election authorities that the application was altered, and that is how the finding was made. And lastly, in the 2020 West Virginia primary election, this is the one and only one instance of alleged misfeasance. The second mischaracterization that was made at the presidential debate was the claim of fraud with regard to nine discarded military ballots in Pennsylvania. In truth, the nine ballots were handled correctly by the United States Postal Service, but an election worker trainee of Luzerne County, who was in the midst of training and received envelopes that were unmarked, inadvertently discarded the envelopes without knowing that they included election ballots. That is, an envelope was received by the Luzerne County that had no identification whatsoever on the outside of the envelope that they were election ballots. So they were discarded in error. The authorities have been informed that the uh, training of the employees in Pennsylvania will be accelerated in order to ensure this could not happen again. For me, I voted on Wednesday. I voted by mail. I trust the patriotic, trustworthy, and dedicated employees of the United States Postal Service. For most of our listeners, that's you. I want to thank you for your the work you do. I want to thank you for the dedication that you will demonstrate in processing absentee ballots and transporting absentee ballots during the upcoming election season. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of NAPS Chat. If you enjoy NAPS Chat, please leave a positive review on the Apple Podcast Store. And more important, tell your friends to download our podcast and listen in. Be well and be safe till next week. I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter and make believe it came from you. I'm gonna.